So let me ask you, how many of your plans have been canceled so far? As I continue to talk to different people throughout our community and throughout our city, I'm realizing that a lot of uh, plans have been canceled or changed, whether it was postponing events like Mid-City West Fest or Mid-City Makers Market, all events that required people to gather are now canceled or postponed. Birthday celebrations have changed. I've seen a lot of friends on social media who are uh, celebrating via Zoom so they can get together with their family in different places. Uh, I was going out for a, a walk the other day and I heard a whole bunch of cars honking and when I turned the corner, there was a parade going by for this little girl's birthday. Uh, are, are the way we gather our plans, right, have been changed or canceled. I have a friend who is planning on getting married and she had to postpone her wedding and uh, now she's going to get married with just a small crowd of uh, her, her close immediate family, her spouse and uh, the pastor. She had to change her plans. Even uh, for us, many of you know our Mid-City story, we were planning on launching on March 15th, the weekend kind of everything hit the fan. Uh, that was the weekend that uh, we had to change our plans. We went from having all these uh, uh, plans and systems in place and volunteers, and, and we had practiced and run through so many things, so many practices, and, and we had to change our plans last minute. Plans have changed for all of us. It was not just me, and it wasn't just you. So many of our plans have not worked out the way we planned. Even though we invested so much blood, sweat, and tears, we dedicated so much time, we planned meticulously, we, we, we went out of our way to kind of make sure everything worked out. No matter how hard we worked on our plans, all of our plans have now changed. They're all different. For many of us, our plans are in the trash as we begin to come up with new plans to move forward. For many of us, we had been working with plan A, and now we're trying to figure out plan B. We had been working with plan A, and that went out the, the window with all this stuff that's happening, and now we are focusing on plan B. For the next four weeks, we're going to be starting a sermon series called Plan B. And the whole idea behind this series is that we're going to talk about what it means, what do we do when our plan A fails and we have to rely on plan B. And I think this is so important because plan B, uh, especially for us as Christians, we believe that plan B is where God is leading us when plan A fails. We trust and believe that God is with us at all times. And so even though we have to change our plans, we trust that in plan B, God is in the middle of that and that God will lead us through all of this. And so we're going to talk about for the next four weeks, what happens when plan A uh, fails or it stops working or uh, we're not called in that direction anymore. What do we do when plan A no longer works and we have to live into plan B? And we're going to look at the differences between plan A's and plan B's and, and, and why it's so important to be open to plan B. But before we get started, um, I want to say a couple things. I know that some of you who are watching are, uh, maybe you're, you've been watching a church from a distance. Maybe you're nominally connected. Maybe uh, you don't believe in God. You don't believe that God can make a difference. If that is you today, I want to invite you as we go through this sermon series to just keep an open mind. Uh, 
I hear your skepticism. Maybe your plan has been working out just fine and God hasn't been at the center of your life, but just hear me out. Hear us out for a second. I know the skepticism, the doubts, the fears, the worries, the, the many reasons you have to not allow, uh, God, to not give God a chance with your plans. But I think that if you engage these next four weeks, you might see that maybe God really can make a difference. And so for you skeptics out there, I want to invite you to just, just be open. You know, you don't have to, uh, by joining us in worship, you're not sitting in the room, so you're not going to get called out for being new. Uh, you can just sit from the comfort of your couch and then turn us off afterwards. Uh, so I want to invite you to just uh, be engaged and listen to these words. Maybe God is speaking to you or nudging you tonight. But I also want to say a couple other things. So for the next four weeks, whenever I talk about plan A, I mean our plans, my plans, your plans, your neighbor's plans, your family's plans, whatever plans you had for yourself, for your community, for the people around you, those are plans, that, that's what I mean when I talk about plan A, the main plan we had for our life, okay? So keep that in mind. The other thing I want to invite you is, uh, this is not a judgment of anyone, and this is not a holier-than-thou conversation, I am not uh, assuming or thinking or, or believe that I somehow have a better way, uh, I'm better at making plans than you are. This is, this is my response to the many times in my life that I have made my own plans and they have somehow failed or, or they haven't come to fruition and me feeling so hopeless and so uh, uh, defeated when that happens. And what I'm coming to realize is that when my plans are centered on God, there's no way for me to feel hopeless there is no reason for me to feel hopeless because the plans that God puts in our hearts, those plans will always come to fruition in some way, shape, or form. And so uh, the conversation these next four weeks is not about saying your ways are wrong and my ways are right. It's about saying maybe all, both of our ways are wrong, but God's ways are right. And so I hope that uh, you will be open to wherever God is calling you and nudging you tonight. So let's begin this journey focusing on plan, on plan B. So uh, through this season of social distancing, you all know that we had major plans for MidCity. Uh, March 15th, like I said earlier, was the, the Sunday that we were going to launch. We were expecting over 200 people that day. Uh, our, our hospitality team had practiced for uh, months to try to get everything set up and torn down. We had bought all the equipment we needed. Jason had put together an awesome worship team. I mean, we had worked through every single detail. We had everything ready to go. In fact, I think MidCity was set up to have an amazing launch on March 15th. And yet, here we are trying to figure out how to do church via a, a, a camera, trusting that God is present in the midst of this, that even though we're gathering from a distance, we are still together. See, our plan A stopped working, and we have to now trust on plan B. See, plan A was all the work that we had done. Plan A was all the things that we had perfected or thought we had perfected. Plan A was all the details that we paid attention to. But I think plan B is something bigger that God is calling us, not just individually, but Mid-City Church. I really do believe that uh, after all this is said and done and we can gather again, Mid-City Church will launch in a much healthier place than we were ready to do on March 15th. And that's exciting to me. But we had to go from plan A to plan B. And wherever you are today, I'm sure you've had to go from plan A to plan B. 
And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, our, our staff will tell you that on Monday, we tend to have a plan A, and by Wednesday, we go to plan B. And sometimes we go to plan C by Wednesday night. Uh, but I, I trust and I know that uh, when plan A doesn't work, God is still calling us to a plan B. And so I want us to talk about that. There's a scripture in Exodus uh, that talks about this guy named Moses. I want you to take a listen to this scripture. Hi, my name is Sophie Rollins. I'm a part of the Mid-City Church worship team, and I'm going to read Exodus 3, 1 through 12. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight, and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. So this story is absolutely fascinating. I, I love this story, and you only got the tip of the iceberg. So let me explain kind of what's happening. Let me give you some context. So one day, Moses was minding his own business, and Scripture tells us that he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. That's what the Scripture says. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And uh, basically, this, this, this guy was getting bullied by an Egyptian, right? And Moses doesn't like that. He, he's not going to just walk on by with that. And so he goes over, he beats up this Egyptian, eventually kills him, and, and everybody goes about their way, is what we're told, basically. The, the next morning, uh, Moses is minding his own business, and he, and he realizes that people are afraid of him now. They're afraid of him, they're afraid of his anger, and, and people begin to say to him, well, what, are you going to kill me like you killed that guy, Egyptian? And, and Moses begins to, to become afraid for his life. He, in fact, uh, Scripture tells us that uh, Pharaoh finds out and he wants to kill Moses. And so out of fear, Moses leaves. And uh, when he leaves, he eventually runs into this woman who uh, uh, he ends up marrying. And her, her father named Jethro gives Moses a job tending to his flock. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happens. I'm condensing it very shortly for you. Um, but that's where we end up with our scripture. So Moses has been tending to the flock. He's married. He lives with his father-in-law. He's safe from Pharaoh. That's his plan A, right? Plan A was, I'm going to help this, Egypt, this uh, uh, Hebrew guy. When that fell apart, he goes back and he starts uh, uh, living with this family. He gets married and he gets to this place where uh, he's tending to the flock. He encounters this burning bush and uh, God tells him, I want you to go and free my people from slavery. So let's talk about this for a, a quick second. See, uh, Moses had a plan to uh, 
to really care for people. That was his first plan, right? The first thing he does in our story is, is to care for this guy who's getting bullied. And when that falls apart, he, he changes to uh, self-preservation. He, he goes from wanting to help other people to making sure he has enough for himself, to making sure that his needs are met, to making sure that his wife's needs are met, that, that his father-in-law's needs are met, that the flock's needs are met, right? He, he goes from uh, this idea of, I want to help other people, and when that falls apart, when that fails, when that gets really tough, he begins to focus on self-preservation. See, I think that's how many of us uh, experience life. I think all of us, whatever line of work you're in, whatever you do, whatever uh, your hobbies are, whatever we do, we all go into it because it's an opportunity to help people, right? Whether you are uh, a musician or whether you are uh, a lawyer or an officer or whatever you do, whatever line of work you do, we all go into it uh, hoping to help people, to make a difference in people's lives. But when that gets difficult, when that gets hard, when we experience disappointment, when people let us down, we begin to focus on self-preservation. I think that's exactly what Moses does, right? His plan was to help this Hebrew guy, and when that fails, he begins to focus on self-preservation. I think all of us can relate to Moses oh so well. But then here comes God, and God says, these are my words, not the Bible's words, but God basically says, Moses, that's a cute plan, but I'm calling you to something bigger and something greater. And so he tells Moses, uh, forget this plan that you have, forget the things that you're doing, the life you've made for yourself. I want to invite you, Moses, to go back to Egypt and free the Israelites. You see, I think Moses' intentions at the beginning were to make a difference in other people's lives. When that fell apart, he began to focus on self-preservation Plan A always begins with good intentions, but at the moment, at the first sight of trouble, we begin to focus inward. We begin to focus on our own needs, and we lose sight of the reason we started doing everything. You see, plan B is the exact opposite of that. Plan B is God saying, I have called you to something bigger. I have called you to make a difference in people's lives. I have called you uh, to help other people. Uh, The reality is, no matter what career path you are in, you probably began to do that because you thought you could make the world a better place. Maybe tonight you find yourself in a place where plan A is no longer working. Maybe at one point... uh, You were doing this to help other people, to make a difference in this world, and now you kind of find yourself not really knowing where to go or how to do this or or finding that passion anymore. I think what God is doing in your life is calling you out of that plan and calling you to focus on plan B, on a plan in which God is at the center and God says to you, "Let's, let's make this, let's go back to what we were all about. Let's go make a difference in people's lives. And God is calling you by name to be a part of that mission. You see, when plan A fails, plan B uh, is always being offered to us. I told you what our plans were with Mid-City Church. But I've got to be honest with you, if I'm fully, wholeheartedly honest with you, by the time we were getting ready to launch, we had seen some setbacks We had had some struggle finding a location, uh, just a whole bunch of things. We can go down the list. I can tell you that by the time we were getting ready to launch, 
in my mind, I was focused on self-preservation in many ways. I was focused on making sure that uh, I didn't want people to let me down because they had. I started focusing on the optics of what worship would look like and feel like because maybe it would help my ego a little bit. I lost sight of why we were launching Mid-City Church. You see, we have a passion to help people find life and purpose in Jesus. That was our mission and that was our purpose, but I lost sight of that. And so God comes in and gives us a plan B and says, Farney, don't forget, this is what you're really called to do. Something bigger than you can even begin to imagine. Now, I've got to say this, and it's really important. I don't believe that God caused COVID just to teach me something. I do not believe that at all. But despite what is happening all around us, God can use this situation to refocus us, to remind us the reason we started doing this in the first place, to remind us that there's a greater purpose to what we do. And God is calling you to leave your self-preservation mindset aside and focus back on making this world a better place, about bringing joy and hope and peace, uh, of allowing God to bring those things to the world through us. So what plans do you have? What plans have been changed? Where have you lost passion? Where did you have to look at your job and look at your career and look at your hobbies and look at the things you love to do and you thought to yourself, I I, I just don't have the passion anymore. Maybe as you assess and you uh, look at everything you've done recently, you think, I've lost focus of who I was called to be and what I was called to do. You've lost the love of, of the things you used to love. Maybe God is calling you to plan B, a plan in which God says, I know that's your plan, but let me call you to what you were called to in the first place, to love, to care, to bring about hope like you were called to do so in the first place. Plan B is always tough because plan B forces me to surrender, to give up, plan A. But when I'm willing to give up plan A, I'm able to go back to what got me started in the first place, what made me fall in love with my calling and my career in the first place. In my prayers for you, as you continue to wrestle through this uh, season of social distancing and COVID, I pray that you may let go of plan A, that you may say yes to God's plan that you may fall in love all over again with the things, your passions, your hobbies, your career. That we may fall in love with it in such a way that even this season of social distancing cannot take that away from us. Let us go to God in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. God, you know our hearts better than we know them ourselves. And we know that in this season of social distancing, maybe some of us have lost some of our passion, some of our, uh, that fire within us to, to make a difference in this world. And God, uh, help us acknowledge that no matter who we are, what we do, we began doing what we do because we thought it could make a difference. So God, tonight, tonight and every day, as we continue to look at our plan A's, 
at the things we used to do, the things we used to love. God, I pray that, that we may trust your plan B. Because I believe that in doing so, we can begin to find that passion and love for what we do all over again. God, I give you thanks. And I pray this in your most precious and most glorious name. Amen.